everybody here to our service. And, you know, I was telling uh, Cooper and Hannah, I didn't realize how popular that y'all were. Y'all are two, two people getting baptized when we got the church filled up this morning. And it's so exciting to see that. But I just want to welcome everybody here today. And before I get started, I just got a couple of people. We got a lot of family in here that's that's in town. But I want to recognize some people out of here uh, this morning. And um, my, my mother is here. Um, so she's from um, I gotta I gotta make I gotta make sure I, I make sure I recognize my mom first. We grew up in Chalmette, as most of y'all probably know, but her and my dad relocated to where my um, my sister and her husband John live. They are here with us also, Deborah and John. They live in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and um, I don't know where. My, my brother stepped out, um, which is maybe that's a good thing, but he's uh, it, those some of y'all have met my brother Stephen before. He lives in Indiana, and um, they grew up in Chalmette as well. His wife's from Indiana. His family's here with him today. But um, I don't always like to brag about this, but me and Stephen are twins. But um, but after you look at Stephen, I'm always excited to say that we're not identical. And uh, God's so good. You know, fraternal twins are awesome. You know, it's a good thing that they have that. But, um, but anyway, just so excited to have our family here and all. And I also want to recognize Pastor Mitchell Fernandovich and his wife, Sarah, is with us here as well. So just so excited to have everybody here. And, um, you know, God is so good. You know, God is just so good to us. And, you know, Tom really won't allow us to really elaborate on Hannah and, you know, what God has done. I know St. for Cooper, but that's just a miracle. I mean, God's in the miracle business. And, um, you know, if you think I can't not, still not do a miracles, all you have to do is just look at my daughter there and just to see her life and know that God is still in the, um, is in, he's still in the miracle working business. And, um, and that's, that's who we believe in. So we're just so excited. And, um, you know, we get excited about Jesus here on Sunday mornings. I mean, the, you know, the Bible says make a joyful noise when you come into the presence of God. We lift up holy hands. All those things are biblical things. And we're just excited to be in the presence of God. And we're just excited to celebrate everything that he has done for us. And um, so praise God. But, you know, how many of you have ever stood in awe at the miraculous stories or intervention of uh, God working in your life or in the life of someone else? You know, I'm, I'm always just amazed when I sit back and look at God. You know, God's, God's working in the life of someone else. And um, in our church here, you know, we don't really have a really large congregation here. But we've got some really spectacular testimonies of things that God has done in people's lives that have just been completely miraculous. And, um, you know, Brother Antoine um, is, is one of them. It, it, you know, just a, just an amazing story that God just turned his life completely around. Um, I know Travis Winninger, if you all if knew the stories and the testimonies of some of these men and what, what their life was like before they came to Christ, you would not believe that they were even sitting in this room today. And, of course, all my children, I, I celebrate what God is doing in the life of my own my own children, my wife. Some of you have heard part of Lori's testimony, but really, none of you have really heard all of her testimony, and you wouldn't believe it. I mean, I'm just I'm just here to tell you, you wouldn't believe what God has done when you see that. And, and I just stand in awe. And you know, uh, Antoine always is always quick to tell me when I, because I get excited, like when I see change, like when when someone is that radically changed, I just my faith just goes to another level. Because I have a physical evidence that this is what God did. But Antoine's always quick to remind me that every salvation is a miracle. And I agree with that. It, it is. For someone to surrender and confess Christ as Lord, regardless of what your life was 
before you came to Christ, that is a miracle. But I still stand in awe of the miracles that God has done. And, you know, you read the Bible, and the Bible is filled with, with miracles that God, that, that God did, you know, for, for his people and for individuals in the Bible. But, you know, you know the story of the parting of the Red Sea, and everybody likes to quote that story, and you look at that. And, you know, I'll just say this. When we talk about the Red Sea parting and the different things that God has done, I believe those events really happened. You know, some people believe those were allegories, those were just symbolisms of things that God was just using to, to show us things or tell us things. I believe those events really happened. And the reason why I believe that is because nothing is impossible for God. The Bible says there's anything too difficult for God. But you know the story of the nation of Israel, if you read the Old Testament, they were in bondage in, the, in, 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 in Egypt. And the, 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 the Bible says that God, God sent Moses to deliver them, did all these miraculous things. And finally, Pharaoh said he was willing to let the people of Israel go. And the Bible says they were, they were going and they were in the, they were in the desert. And the, the Bible says that, um, that God had one more thing that he was going to do. And the, the Lord, the, the Bible says God, favored, uh, God uh, hardened Pharaoh's heart one more time. And Pharaoh pursued the nation of Israel in the desert, the Bible says. But the Bible says that God caused Israel to turn around and go a different way, where they were deliberately hemmed in between the, the Red Sea and the, and the army of Pharaoh. God did that on purpose. Why did God do that? So he could show that he was God and he was Lord, and he could part the Red Sea and show the nation of Israel nothing was impossible for him. But for them to get to the position that they were in, they had to take a wrong turn. They had to get in the position where they were to be hemmed in. And then there's a story of, of Naaman. He was a commander of the Syrian army in the, in the Bible, and the Bible says that he had leprosy. And he was told that there was a prophet named Elisha that could, that could heal him. If he would just go to Elisha, he could be healed of his leprosy. The Bible says that he went, he went to Elisha, and Elijah told him to go and to dip into the Jordan River seven times, and you, will, and you will be healed. And you know the story. He didn't want to do it at first. He thought that he was too high and too mighty. He was expecting Elisha to, to do something else for him to heal him. But he finally humbled himself, the Bible says, and he went and dipped, and he was healed. And he was excited, and he celebrated. He did all of those things. But, but Naaman could have never celebrated his miracle of healing from leprosy had God not first given him leprosy. There would, have been, there would have been no miracle. And then one of the best stories that I love in the Bible is the story of Lazarus. And I said this to this congregation before, but when you read the Bible, you have to pay attention to the details. Because you can't just read a story and just glance over it. You've got to pay attention to the details. And if you read the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus was told that Lazarus was sick. Okay, so Jesus can heal the sick, right? The Bible says Jesus deliberately stayed where he was two more days before he went to Lazarus. Why did Jesus do that? Because he knew when he got to Lazarus, Lazarus was going to be dead. And it's, and it's a much greater miracle to raise the dead than it is to heal the sick. Four days, the Bible says, Lazarus has been in a tomb. And the Bible says that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So when you look at your life and you look at the Bible, you have to understand for God, for God to do a miracle, to perform a miracle in our lives, there first needs to be a miracle to perform. So before we start complaining about the situation we're in or what God's doing or how God's working in our life, maybe God is setting you up for something big. Maybe he's putting something together. And I can tell you in my life, I can look back and I can see difficult times in my life where things didn't make sense. I didn't understand 
what it was God was doing, but I can always look back and trace the steps and see that in everything that God was doing, he was putting it together like a perfect puzzle. It was like a perfect picture. And I look back and say, God, this is what you were doing. But see, it's difficult to see that when you're in the midst of it. You know, it's easier to, to, to get out of it and to go back and see what God was doing. But God wants us to be able to trust him even when we can't see what it is that he is doing. Hebrews chapter 11, and I, I shared last week, this is the second part of a message I shared last week called Faith in the Fire. And this is part two of that message. It's called Another in the Fire. Another in the Fire. But Hebrews chapter 11, if you read chapter 11 in Hebrews, a lot of people have, uh, have named that the, the faith chapter. It, the Hebrew writer goes through and names all the faith heroes, uh, the mighty giants of, of faith in the Old Testament that stood for God in the midst of enormous obstacles in the midst of enormous challenges that it gives the stories of these men and women who stood in faith for God and their trust in who Jehovah was and um, you know as I was reading Hebrews chapter 11 and I thought about this and, and they were naming all of these men and women I, I thought you know if, if there was another Hebrews chapter 11 that was written today since Christ was was has come to the earth and he was crucified and he was resurrected and ascended back to heaven would your name be included in that chapter? Now, I have to ask myself that. Would I, would I even be considered a faith giant today that the, that the writer would record my name in, in, in that chapter if it was? I pray that mine would be there. But Hebrews 11 names many of the heroes, and then at the end of the chapter, um, the Hebrew writer goes on to just name just really quick some of the, uh, the, the heroes in there, and then at the, at the very end of the chapter, he only names the event that they were included, and it doesn't necessarily give the, the names of them. And this is found in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, I could speak more of faith. I could talk until time itself ran out. If I continued, I could speak of the examples of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and all the prophets. I could give accounts of people alive with faith who conquered kingdoms, brought justice, obtained promises, and closed the mouths of hungry lions. I could tell you how people of faith doused raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword, made the weak strong, and stoking great valor among the champions of God, sent opposing armies into panic flight. And that section there where it says people of faith doused raging fires, that's a reference to Daniel chapter 3, of three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And some of you who have read your Bible are familiar with, with popular Bible stories. That's one of probably the most popular biblical stories that there is, the story, but it says they doused the raising, they doused the raging flames, and that is the story of those three men. But but just to give a background of Hebrews, uh, I mean of Daniel chapter 3, the Bible says because of Israel's sin, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, besieged Jerusalem, besieged the nation of Israel and conquered it. And the Bible says he led some of the Israelites exiled into, into Babylon, and some of those men that he exiled into Babylon was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says in, Hebrew, in Daniel chapter 3 that, that Nebuchadnezzar erected a 90-foot statue, a golden image, a, an image of God, and he commanded everyone that was in the province that they were to bow down. As soon as they heard the sound of music and, and the, the, all the different instruments began to play, the, 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 the edict was given that every single person was to bow down before this 90-foot golden image and worship the image that, that Nebuchadnezzar 
had, had erected, they were, to, they were to immediately, and anyone who refused to do so would be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. So last week's message in part one of the chapter three, I had titled it, The Lord Our God is One. And um, the king was told that there was three men that refused to bow down to the image that he had, that he had built. And that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you read the story, they came before the king. The Bible says the king gave them another opportunity to bow before the image. And, and they, they stood firm in their faith. And they, they, they refused to bow down to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. So um, as we look at this chapter, we need to look at the parallels of their life, of the story of, of Daniel chapter 3 and what it is that you and I can glean from that as New Testament Christians today. So in last week's message, just a really quick recap, um, the first thing that I looked at was their position didn't affect their devotion. These men were living in Babylon. They weren't living in Jerusalem. They were living in a foreign land, a land that did not honor the God, of the Jehovah God. They did not honor the, the laws of God, the commandments of God. Yet the Bible says that these men were still willing to stand for their faith even in a foreign and distant country. What I'm here to tell you as Christians, we are living in Babylon. We are living in a world that is anti-Christ. We're living in a world that is against the things that you and I believe in, that we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Yet God has called us to stand in the midst of Babylon. God is calling us to stand just as those, just as those men did to not, to not cave in. The Bible says that we are strangers and aliens living in a world we don't belong in. The Bible says God has called us out from darkness into his marvelous light. The Bible says we are in the world, but we are not of the world. In other words, we live in this world because this is the only place we have to live. But we are not of the world in a sense. We are not like the world we live in. We're different. And we're so different, the Bible describes us as aliens and strangers, as if we literally came from another planet. And that's how you should look to the world if you're a believer. You should look as if you're an alien. That you, that you are a stranger. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood for God even in a foreign land. And then the next thing we looked at last week is they stood on the word that the Lord our God is one. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew what the Ten Commandments said, that the Bible, that the Lord commanded the nation of Israel that you shall have no other gods before me. Make no image, make no other idol, and bow before no other god. And it's interesting if you read Nebuchadnezzar's, what, what he was asking everyone to do, he wasn't asking them to denounce or to, to deny their God. He was only simply asking them to bow before his image. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that God told them the Lord our God is one. Make no image and bow before and worship no one but the Lord. So we need to understand that our God, our allegiance to Jesus is to him and to him alone. He is our God. He is our Lord. He is our, he is our Savior. And then the last point that I made last week was found in the verses 17 and 18. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And the last thing I looked at last week is, is he is Lord, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. See, and this is, this is so important for us to get as Christians that no matter what happens in your life, Jesus is still Lord. In other words, it's easy for me 
to say that Jesus is Lord when things are going good and the job's going great and the marriage is going good and all the children are acting right and there's a lot of money in the bank and, and, and all of those things. But, but, but we need to understand that God, he is Lord, not, not because of what he does for us or what he gives us, but simply because of who he is. That's why we worship him. That's why when we walk into this place, we should, no matter what kind of week you had, no matter what kind of bad day you had, no matter what's happening in your life, it, do, it does not matter. When you walk into this place, you need to worship God for who he is. Just simply because of he is Lord. He is sovereign. He is Savior. And he is God. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were willing to stand for God in the midst of in the midst of, the, of, 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 of imminent death, in the midst of a, blazing, of a blazing furnace, and they were still willing to stand for him. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they never wavered in their faith. They understood that faith is not simply what you say or what you believe. Faith is proven by what one does in action. In other words, it's easy for me to say that I believe in God. But if you, if you read the book of James, the book of James says even the demons believe. And tremble. So we know that faith is not simply a belief or an acknowledgement that there is a God. Faith is, the, you, faith is trusting in God. In other words, it's placing my trust and surrendering to God. These men were willing to surrender themselves to God because of their faith and their trust in him. Salvation is by faith in Jesus. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. We come to God in faith, believing that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and he has forgiven us of our sins. So I'm going to look at the conclusion of this chapter in January chapter 3 um, in, in the message today, another in the fire, and um, begin in ver beginning here in verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. I'm going to read again that passage I just read. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that was tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, Come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, perfects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes 
were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and, and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know, what an amazing story. What, a, what, a, what an amazing story of faith, an amazing story of God's, of God's rescue. But I believe when we read this passage, this second part of Daniel chapter 3, I believe that, we, that that scripture reveals to us at least three promises of God. There's probably many more, but I believe three of them really, really stand out when you read that passage. And the first one is this, that God allows fiery trials in the life of believers. God allows a fiery trial to happen in the life of a believer. See, God was all-powerful, and at any moment, God could have prevented them from going into the furnace. He was God. He, he, he could have killed Nebuchadnezzar if he wanted. He could have wiped out the entire Babylonian army, but, but the Bible says that God allowed these three men to be thrown into the blazing furnace. So we were not promised escape from trials and adversity. Actually, we are promised the opposite, if you read what the Bible says. In James chapter 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Bible says to consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. Not if you face trials, when you face trials. And I believe one of the biggest misconceptions of Christianity is that, that people are told when you come to Christ, your life is going to be a cakewalk. Because you're not going to have any problems. You're not going to have any adversity. Well, I want to ask anyone who says that, what Bible are you reading? Because that's not the Bible that I'm reading. And the Bible actually tells us, and Jesus, Jesus even tells us, that, that if you make a decision to follow him, adversity is going to come your way. The Bible tells us we will experience trials. So many of us complain about the trial that we're in or the thing that God may be doing in our life, but we're not really understanding that maybe God is trying to teach us something. Maybe, maybe God is trying to use this adversity, use this this situation in my life to try to show me something. Or maybe God is trying to break me or trying to change me. I, you know, I can tell you in, in adversity and things in my life, whether it was decisions I made that were wrong or things that God allowed to happen in my life, in almost every situation, God was using it to teach me something. He was breaking me. And, and a lot of times it was, a, it was a situation where he was humbling me. You know, God, God doesn't like pride. He doesn't like a judgmental spirit. And, and, and God will, will allow us sometimes to go through things to humble us and break us and to teach us and to show us. So, And Pastor Carl has always told me this, that when you're in the middle of something, before you start jumping up and complaining about it, step back for just a moment and ask God, God, what are you showing me through this? Is there something that you're trying to teach me? Is there something that you're trying to train me with this? And, and I know it's raining out there and the, 
the Bible, the Bible says that my word will go forth, and it will, as the rain waters the earth, so will my word go forth, and, not, and it will not return void in Jesus' name. So I'm praying that this word is going to go forth, and that will not be a distraction in Jesus' name. Lori told me, says it seemed like every time you get up to preach, it rains. And I'm like, that's all right. Let the rain come. Let, let the rain of the Holy Spirit fall down in this place this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But, but we have to always be looking and sensitive, especially as believers. i got to be sensitive. What is it that God, I'm, I'm God's now. The Bible says you no longer belong to yourself. You belong to God now. So therefore, if you're at God's, then everything that's happening in your life, God is allowing those things to happen for a purpose. What does the Bible say in Romans? All things. Not some things, not the good things, not the things we understand, not the things we can explain. The Bible says all things are working together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's all things. So I just got to believe I got to just stand in something that I don't understand and I got to trust that God is in control. And, and of course, you know, the situation with my children, I, I didn't understand what God was doing. And obviously as a Christian father and also as a pastor, you know, it's difficult. I remember before I became a pastor, I used to look at men like Larry Stockstill and these other giants that you would think that were these mighty men and they just had this perfect life. And I remember when I found out that one, some of Larry Stockstill's children weren't Christians. And he's a pastor, of the, well, he was the pastor of the Bethany Church in, in Baton Rouge. They may all be saved now, but this was several years ago. And I remember thinking, how can Larry Stockstill, <laughs> this great giant of God, this mighty man of God, how can he have any children that aren't saved? You know, and, 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 now, and then, you know, I, I, I confronted the same thing with my children. But God is so faithful. God is just so faithful, and he's so good. And God just wants us just to trust him. So, so we, we just have to understand that God, that God is always in control. But you cannot accept the lie. And I, I reject this prosperity message and this prosperity teaching that, that it's not as prevalent today as it was when I was a young Christian. But there was a teaching that said if you get saved, you're going to be rich. You're never going to get sick. Everything's always going to go great for you. You're going to have this great, perfect life. And I remember when I used to listen to that, I'm like, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> That's not what the apostles went through. The, the Bible says if you, read, if you read the accounts of the apostles that were written, other than what was written in the Bible, all of them except John, and of course Judas hung himself, they were martyrs for Christ. They suffered for Jesus. Some of them were crucified, the Bible says. So this, this perfect uh, life as Christians, I don't know where that comes from, but it's not biblical. God will allow fiery trials to come into our lives. So those things will happen. And so as a believer, you have, to, you have to be mature and understand that, that that's part of Christianity, that, that's part of, that, that that's, part of being, that's part of being a Christian. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego showed us that even in the face of persecution, trials, or death, we are called to, start, to stand firm in our faith and hope in God. I'm going to stand firm. It doesn't matter what, what comes our way. They were willing to stand even in the midst of imminent death. And then in Daniel chapter 3, this is the next promise here in verse 24. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The next promise that we have here in Daniel chapter 3 is God will never leave us or forsake us. See, we're promised fiery trials, but we're also promised that God will never leave us. And God will never forsake us. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that God was going to rescue them or he was capable of rescuing them. But he told the king, even if God doesn't, we will not bow down and worship the image that you have set up. See, their faith shows us that even in the fire, God is with us. Faith is trusting him even when we don't understand. Even when we can't see a way out, we trust God because we know who he is, that he is with us even in the middle of the fire. And this is so important. And I know in a congregation like this, that there could be many things that some of you are going through right now. Things that probably maybe nobody else really knows, but maybe you and God. And they're, they're, they're heavy. They're weighing down on your life. And sometimes when we're in the midst of adversity or the midst of something that doesn't make sense, we can question, even as Christians, where's God? Where, has God left me? He's, I don't see him. I don't feel him. This story that in Daniel chapter 3 tells us God is with you even in the middle of the fire. God is standing right next to you. God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. I'm here to tell you that God is standing right next to you. And God, if you stand in faith, God is going to get the victory and God will be glorified in all things in Jesus' name. God is asking us to stand and, and look, see, there was another in the fire. See, there's another in the fire for your life. But see, that's faith. See, Shadrach, Mish, they didn't know how, what God was going to do. They didn't know. They, they, I, I believe, I firmly believe this, that they believed that they were going to die. And that either they were going to be brought back to life, they were going to be resurrected. But I don't believe they had any clue that they were going to they actually go into the furnace and come out without even the smell of smoke. Think about that. They didn't even, and the Bible says the men that tied him up and threw him in the fire, they were killed. But those three men, they were not touched. I'm here to tell you God is standing with you. You are not alone. It doesn't matter what you face. God, God is standing with you. There's a, there's a fourth man in your fire. There's somebody else standing next to you. And what God is looking for is God is looking for the faith of those three men that is saying, you know what, God, no matter what comes my way, I'm not bowing. It's just, I'm not bowing. I don't care what the government says, what happens in my family, what sickness comes to my body, what happens to my finances. God, I am not bowing. I'm standing firm just as those three men did because my faith is in God. See, they understood that God was with them even in the blazing fire. But... Nebuchadnezzar mocked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before they were in the furnace, and he told them that what God was able to rescue them from my hand. He said, what God will be able to rescue you? I'm here to tell you his name is Jesus. Jesus can rescue you. It doesn't matter how difficult your situation is, how far down you've gone. It doesn't matter what has happened, that word that came forth from Rachel. Get, stand firm. Hold your head up. Jesus is with you. Jesus sees you, and Jesus loves you. That's so important for us to understand. See, even in death, we're not alone. 
Even if we face death, what does the Bible say? Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is gone, the Bible says. Sin has been removed from us. We, the cross has conquered sin for us. We are born again, standing in the new life of Jesus Christ. Even death, even facing death cannot harm us. What do we have to lose? Just give it all to Christ. Jesus wants us just to surrender everything to him. Even in death, we are never alone. And then in verse 28 and verse 30, it says, The Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and, de and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the peoples of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The, 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 other, the last promise here in this passage is God will be glorified in all things. God will be glorified in all things. See, the, the, the God's purpose in everything that he does is that his name would be glorified. No matter what happens in your life or my life, at the end of the day, everything needs to be directed to the glory and honor of God. That's why God's in the miracle working business. Because God knows if he does something that man can't explain, guess who's going to get the glory? He's going to get the glory. Because people are going to look at that and say, there's no way that he or she could have ever done that. No government could have done that. No army could have done that. No amount of money could have ever done that. Everything that God is doing, everything, is for his glory and his honor. So our lives, just think of your life as an offering. And God, whatever you want to do in my life, let, let whatever come, come my way. Because God, at the end of the day, I want your name to be glorified. I want your name to be lifted. I want, I want see, for Hannah... That, that's a miracle, but I don't take any, I don't take, as a matter of fact, it's like my wife and I are still in shock. The, the only thing I can say is we prayed, but that's big. Prayer is big, but we pray, but other than that, I take no, I, I take no, God did that. That was a work of his Holy Spirit. What happened with Cooper, that's a work of God's Holy Spirit. Man, man can't save anybody, only God can save. And it's a supernatural working of God's Holy Spirit. But see, Nebuchadnezzar ended up praising God. He ended up acknowledging that, 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 God, that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was God, was, was capable of saving. And, and what an amazing testimony that these men, they did not bow. They were willing to stand even in the face of certain death. And I love the way they responded. They were calm. They were not uh, frustrated or, 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 or eager or they were just so calm and so resolute, just so firm. And they just said, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter, O king. Our God is able to save us. What a beautiful testimony. And God is able to save you today. Amen. God is in the miracle working business. I believe salvation is a, is a, is a miracle and everything that God does is, is God is in the miracle working business today. I, I believe that with all my heart. And I'm just going to ask Eli just to begin to play that music that we have set up in the background. And I'm just going to ask everybody just to stand to your feet.
know, there might be somebody here today and you you may have heard the tug of God on your heart. You may have known that God was calling you or drawing you unto himself, but you, for whatever reason, you rejected that call. You never surrendered your life. And you might be thinking, well, you know, I, I'll have another chance. I'll, I'll be given another opportunity. But the Bible says we're not even guaranteed tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. I, I want to be here, but, but I know my life is in God's hands. So I can't look at salvation and say, well, I have all this time. We don't know how much time we have. The Bible says today, today if you hear the voice of God, don't harden your heart, but surrender yourself and receive the gift of salvation. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend that gift to you today, that, that same thing that Hannah and, and, and Cooper did today is extended to you. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And like Lee said, what person would reject that? That God is willing to forgive you of everything that you've ever done and love you, and not only love you, but give you eternal life. That's God's promise. So that's you today. So you know what? Hannah and Cooper, they weren't ashamed to say that they trust Jesus. I'm not ashamed either. And I want to say today in front of this congregation and before God that I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord. I want to make him Lord of my life. So that's you today. I'm just going to give you a moment. Just come out from where you are and just come join me here in the front and let me pray with you today before you go. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. If God is tugging on your heart, don't, don't harden your heart, the Bible says. Come and receive the goodness of God. Come receive the fullness that God has for you. Amen. 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 God is so good. God is so good. I, I want to close with an invitation. There may be somebody here today. You might, you're going through a fire right now in your life. There's a there's a situation that you're in right now that you don't know what the way is out and you just want me and my son and maybe some of the other elders just to lay hands and just to pray for you today. And I want to encourage you today that you are not alone. There's another in the fire. There's somebody standing with you. But if that's you today, just come up here to the front and let, let us just pray with you before you go and just encourage you that you are never alone, that, that God has not forsaken you, that God... It's not left you alone. If that's you today, just make your way up here to the front and let us pray for you, pray for you today before you, before you leave in Jesus' name. Anybody going through the fire? I know Brother Wayne is. It could be anything. It could be sickness. It could be a situation with your marriage. Or it, it could be anything. You're going through a difficult situation. You need to know that you're not alone. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to close the service and pray for these here. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the rest of you. I just want to say welcome to everyone that came for the for the baptism service here for uh, Cooper and for Hannah. And we're just so excited you, to have you here in our service today. And just God bless you and just give you a great day and a great week in Jesus' name. And I, I love everyone and I appreciate y'all. Love y'all so much. I'm going to pray for these here.